This podcast is brought to you by EverythingVoluntary.com. My name is Skylar Collins, and this is Thinking and Doing. In this podcast, I examine logical fallacies, cognitive biases, stoic teachings from masters past and present, and tips on being better at life. I hope it will be as instructive to you as it is to me in the pursuit of thinking and doing well. If you'd like to kick back a small commission from every Amazon purchase you make at no extra cost to you, please use and bookmark our special link at AmazonEVC.com. That's AmazonEVC.com. Hello and welcome to the podcast. We're going to look at some life pro tips for this episode. I've got four from Reddit, and I've got one that I thought I would share from my own life, something that I've been doing for a really long time that's been uh, very helpful. I can't remember if I mentioned it earlier on this podcast or on my other one. Sometimes these things just bleed together, you know what I mean? (laughs) All right, here's the first one. This is from somebody with the username of Embodied Remembrance. It says, when someone else gets angry... Recognize that they are in a triggered state and won't be able to think or reason clearly, let alone truly hear you. So they give a an explanation, a longer explanation of that, but I think that's enough to go on. And I'll, of course, link to this as I do in the in the episode description. But the reason I, I picked this one is because it, as important as it is for adults to keep this in mind when dealing with other adults, it's probably more important keep in mind when you're dealing with children. Children have a lot less experience than us, right? Every, every experience, almost every experience, almost every day is bringing something new. And children can get stressed out. They can get triggered. They can get angry. And however they're feeling, I believe that the emotion is valid. It's not something that they should be shamed for. It's not something that we should try to convince them that they shouldn't feel, right? We should help them recognize the emotion, feel the emotion, and work through it, right? Just just like we should do as adults. When somebody, including children, are angry, right? It's, it's exactly what they say here. When they're triggered, when they're angry, there are certain senses that are heightened, but there's other senses that are not. And I think it is more difficult to think and reason clearly. So if somebody's angry and you're trying to calm them down and reason with them, it probably won't be well-received. Right. You just need to make sure that everyone's safe. Right. That's probably the most important thing. Right. If somebody's angry and they get violent, well, that's obviously a deeper problem that needs to be addressed. But for the moment, go somewhere else. Right. Get out of the way if you can. Right. If you're stuck in some some sort of an abusive relationship that that has something to do with anger. Like I said, that's a that's a much bigger problem. We're not talking about that. Just allow the person to feel the anger. And then when they've calmed down, then you can ask them about it. And really, um, in an active listening way, you can ask them about why they, were ang- why they were angry. I know for me that when I'm angry and then, which doesn't happen a lot, but when it happens, when I do calm down and then somebody's asking me about it, I'm talking about why I was, why I was angry. As it's, as it's coming out of my mouth, that helps me process it. 
And by the end, I'm usually feeling a lot better. I'm, re- I'm usually feeling like it wasn't, it wasn't um, as big of a deal as I originally thought it was. Or it helps me to make peace with whatever it was I was angry about. Right. And I guess the most recent example is what I talked about in the last episode with, with my trees being cut down. Um, but with, with children, this is all true, minus the added benefit of being somebody who's has the experience of dealing with anger. Right. This is this is this is new for them too. And learning how to to process it, deal with it, and relate to other people while in this emotional state, they have much less experience with. So for that, I think we need even greater empathy and compassion and patience with them. I don't think that we need to match their anger with our own anger and getting them to stop being angry. That's an absolute recipe for disaster, and it's a total relationship killer. So just be the adult and wait. Okay, We like to tell our kids that they need to have patience and practice patience, and patience is a virtue. Well, we need to hear that also sometimes. We can be there, and sometimes anger for kids will turn into to sadness and crying, right? And we just need to be there. Let them cry. Be that shoulder. And when they're ready to talk, they'll talk. They don't need to be pushed into it. And again, they don't need to be shamed out of it. I think that's one of the worst things we can do as parents is shame our kids for the emotions they feel, right? That's how they learn to, to bury things, and that's not healthy for boys or for girls, right? Getting hurt, being sad, crying getting angry. These are emotions that that both boys and girls, men and women, will feel at some point in their life. And we should all learn how to deal with them, not to bury them, not to repress them. They're important. We we feel them for a reason. We evolved with them. All right, let's go on to the next one. Um, I should have mentioned this is a bit related to the last one. I was going to say the next two are related, or the first two are related. This one's by username Divest from Fossil Fuel. Uh, when someone acts rudely or can't complete a seemingly easy task, don't treat them too harshly. There's often an underlying issue at play. It likely has nothing to do with you. They're probably struggling with something in their life. Uh, I'm not as interested in the completing a task bit, but the acting rudely bit. Whenever somebody is an asshole, again, my first concern is, am I safe? Are the, are the, the people with me that I'm concerned about, are we safe? Okay, and then let's get away. And then I always think about, I wonder what shit that guy's dealing with. I wonder what's going on with that guy's life for him to be an asshole, right? It's easy to hold the virtue card and think that we're holier than thou. We're the better person. They're just an asshole. Fuck them. It's how they are. It's how they'll always be. It's how they've always been. And we're better than that, right? It's easy to to feel that way, to think that way. But it's probably not true. It's probably true that... They have their own set of problems, maybe long-term, maybe short-term. Maybe they're dealing with some kind of uh, an addiction. Maybe they're dealing with alcoholism. Maybe they're dealing with drug addiction. Maybe, they're, maybe, they're, maybe they've recently lost somebody very important to them, and they just don't feel like being kind because they're still, they're still going through that. They're still mourning that. They're still processing that. And they, they didn't learn as a child how to feel and work through these types of emotions properly because maybe they were they were shamed for having them. And so it comes out as being an asshole when really it's just, you know, a deep sadness and a mourning for losing somebody important to them. So I I really try to I really try to have that type of thing be my second thought. My first thought thought is am I safe? Are we all safe? Great. Second thought is 
what is this guy dealing with or this girl dealing with, right? And you just think about it. You have no idea. They're probably not going to tell you if you ask. They'll probably be more rude. And it's not really your business anyway. But just doing the exercise of wondering what could possibly be causing this person to behave this way. What, what shit are they dealing with in their life? Or what shit have they dealt with in the past? And it's, it's as true for people acting rudely as it is for people acting violently, right? Violence is, resorting to violence is something done when we feel like we can't meet our needs in any other way. Okay, this is something I believe. People say, are humans naturally violent or peaceful? And my, my answer to that is that we're both. We're naturally peaceful when our needs are met, and we're naturally violent when, when they aren't met, and we're having a really hard time meeting them. Okay, we've, we've exhausted every other means of achieving our, our needs, and we're at the end of our rope. We get violent, right? And we get it, getting violent is easier for some people than others, and I believe that's born in having experienced some kind of trauma. And having to bury and repress uh, the anger and the rage that results from that. Okay, And now when you're in a stressful situation and you're getting the cortisol and the adrenaline and you're being triggered in that way, right, you have a, a type of post-traumatic stress disorder. And that comes out in the form of rage. Okay, I think the, that the roots of human violence in the sense of crime and terrorism, war, is in childhood trauma. And if you're more interested in that line of thought, check out Parenting for a Peaceful World by Robin Grill. I'll link to it in the description. He's an Australian psychologist and psychotherapist. Fantastic book. It's probably his magnum opus. The first half is all about different modes of parenting that seen throughout history, from the more violent to the less violent. He goes through and he chronicles all of that from all around, uh, all around time. And then he talks about different parenting styles and the effects that they have on us, emotional and physical and so forth. Absolutely fantastic resource. So I'll, I'll link to that. Um, but whenever you see somebody like a, you know, we call them monsters, they're criminals, they're bad guys, they're tyrants. There's a reason for that behavior. And it's multifaceted. It's multivariate, no doubt, right? Where they, where they direct that rage, there's reasons for that. But where that rage comes from, from deep down inside, has its roots in childhood, I believe. I don't, I don't believe that anybody is born a monster. I don't believe that anybody is born a bad guy. I believe that we are made into monsters. Okay, And every single monster out there it was, in all probability, nearly 100% of the time, first a victim, most likely in childhood. Right. So thinking about that, it's 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 a way to empathize and it's a way to have compassion with somebody who's being an asshole, who's being rude. And I I would want people to think that about me rather than hating me and writing me off. So, you know, I believe in the golden rule, so I'm going to I'm going to do that in return. And it may be a temporary thing, they they're in and out of your life quickly. It may be a situation where it's somebody who you are going to be dealing with more often. Right and reaching out in, in empathy and compassion, it may go a long way. There may be a way to do that to where you can get through their wall and end up being a really positive influence in their life, and they could end up being a really good friend to you and working through some of their stuff. Who knows? 
All right, let's go. Let's step away from from this kind of thing for a bit. Let's go to to a few more practical, uh, simpler <laughs> life pro tips. All right, this one is by Floydian. I thought this one was interesting. He says, tally your expenses in work hours and not money. So he says, so I got a raise at work and I was calculating how many hours I'll be working in a year and how much I'm being paid for that. Then it clicked me. If I had to buy earphones, how many hours will I have to work for it? Let's look at an example. Average Joe's salary is 30000 Now Joe's employer makes him work five days a week for eight hours. Joe gets 10 days holiday, five sick leave, and five vacation. With, what, with that, Jack works for 241 days. Eight hours per day times eight equals 1,928 hours. Joe gets paid 30000 in that year, so he's making fifteen fifty per hour. Now, you could probably just know your hourly rate. <laughs> I don't think you had to do all that backwards calculation. but So it says, now, if Joe wants to purchase an earphone, which costs 50 bucks, Joe will have to work 3.2 hours. This gives a realistic picture of how worth it is to buy something or not. I thought this was interesting. So... I'm probably spending twelve, maybe thirteen hundred a month in food and groceries in my house. Let me pull out a calculator. And right now with this gig work, I'm averaging about it's come down a bit. It's not as high as it was through last winter. I'm expecting it to go back up as it usually does through the winter. But I'm averaging about thirty two an hour gross. Okay, that I'm not taking out like my fuel expenses and maintenance and all you know, all that stuff. So I'm just going to say all that stuff I have got to pay for. So it's all it's all part of my expenses like anything else. So at 32 an hour, how many hours for $1300 of food and grocery? 40 hours. So an entire an entire week plus of of my month, 40 hours of my time is spent earning what I need to spend on groceries and you know some some eating out that we do. Hmm. That really makes me want to cut back. <laughs> I don't want to spend a week, <laughs> a week of work every month just on that. Right. I mean, my mortgage is, is about 1450. So I'm spending 45 hours for that. Um, wow. Yeah. I like this one. I think this is a really good idea. Whatever your, whatever your expenses are, whether they're a weekly expense or a one-time expense, do a quick reverse calculation. Just divide the cost by you know, your average hourly work rate, and you're going to see, oh my gosh, this is going to take me six hours to get this. Is this worth it? <laughs> it's also interesting when you when you see statistics um, that economists and statisticians and stuff will, will use when looking at the cost of, you know, staple items. It, it can be interesting to see the cost coming down, but of course you have inflation pushing prices up over time. So the relevant question is how many how many average how many hours for the average employee does this item cost? How many hours does it cost in work? Right? Cuz inflation pushes up prices of items but it also push has pushed up salaries over time. Right? So you take maybe an average 30,000 a year or something like or 36,000, right? 3,000 a month something something minimal. And then you can divide your staple items into that and you can then then you can Sort of, um, and, and it might even be not, you know, not to take like a, a fixed 36000 a year, because obviously that's going to change, but maybe find a particular type of job that's kind of the same from year to year and take an average salary from all around, you know, the area and then divide that, then use that for your hourly wage. And then you can, you can divide 
uh, some prices for staple items. And you can see over time that these things have come way down, right? The amount of hours that we need to work for a set of clothes or a pair of shoes has come way down than it used to be, right? We may have had to have worked 20 hours for it. Now we work five, that sort of thing. So you can find that sort of stuff when you, when you search for it that's put together by economists and, and, and whatnot. So it's interesting. All right, a couple more. This next one should be pretty quick. Um, this is by Sarge M. And this one stuck out because it's what I did. If you're buying a home printer for occasional use, get a laser printer. They're more expensive up front, but way more economical in the long run. This is absolutely true. I have, I bought a Brother all-in-one. It's got a scanner that you can feed or it's got the glass. You can, you can set it on and scan or it's got the feed. It's a printer. It's a copier. And it's a fax machine, of course. I don't use the fax machine because I don't have a phone line. And it's served me very well for, geez, well over 10 years now. You know, when the when the toner gets low, you just get a new toner and you can buy generics, you know, online on Amazon and stuff really easy. You can replace the drum. I think I've replaced the drum once. And, you know, my daughter's starting to use it a bit more. I've got it connected through the Google Cloud print through my account. My computer's always on, so she's able to print to it through that. It makes it real easy. But I see, I see like these memes and photos on, and you know, like an asshole design and crappy design subreddits that will show screenshots from people's computer of their ink levels being low. Right? There's a seems to be a lot more people <laughs> than I realize that have color inkjet printers. This is like the worst thing you can buy. I think if you need something printed in color, just print it through Fe- through through FedEx office or something. Because these these printers really stink because when you're out of one of the colors, like magenta, it won't let you print a black and white, right? Your black is almost full, but it, it a lot of them will halt you and stop you from moving forward. And I have some experience with these things, and, and it's true. They do that. Maybe there's some that don't, but it just seems like absolute garbage to me. Whereas on the other hand, I don't run out of ink. The toner lasts a lot longer than any ink refill. and it maybe costs twice as much, but it lasts 10 times as long. So this thing has served me very well, and it continues to serve me. I don't use it a ton. Um, I use the scanner on it, and I think it only costs like once upon a time, maybe 150 bucks, if that, maybe 120 and that was 10 years ago. It's a Brother MFC 7420, so it, I'm sure it's an older model. I don't. They probably have moved on, um, but I, I've done copy... My wife will come in and we have a binder with like uh, the alphabet, different worksheets for the whole alphabet. And she'll grab, you know, letter K, four sheets. She'll stick them in the feeder, hit copy, boom, copies them out, puts the original back in the binder, gives the copies to my five-year-old who has fun filling those out. She's learning her letters. So we use it for that. I scan in stuff, you know, receipts and whatnot. And I archive them in Google Drive, important, important receipts anyways, or other documents that I want to archive in there. I just throw them on there. I use the window scan, boom. And I print stuff. You know, I print monthly finance reports to, you know, for the wife. I print, you know, she'll get emails and I'll I'll print them out in large print for her. So it gets, it gets plenty of use. It's not, you know, everyday nonstop use. Oh, and my, my daughters have pen pals, so I'll throw envelopes through there and print out addresses on them. So I, I definitely recommend a laser printer. And get one with a scanner, and that's also a copier. It'll be it'll be very it has been very useful. All right, last item. 
Something that I've been using for a while, at least since I've been self-employed, and I'm in my sixth year of that, is Google Calendar. Google Calendar is where I put all my daily tasks, and I put all my my daily, um, my recurring activities like food delivery and whatnot, and also reminders. And I've got Google Calendar on my phone. So the way I've set it up, if, if there's something that I'm going to do every day, like uh, publish new content on the website, then I, re- I create a recurring all-day event in Google Calendar. And I've got my events set up to, to email me at 6 a.m. My all-day events will email me at 6 a.m. So every morning when I get in here, I look at my email inbox, and I've got several emails from Google Calendar of things that I need to do for the day. So anytime I, I'm, I'm going about my day and I think I need to do something, I open my calendar, I create a new event, I give it a title, I hit all day, I set the day tomorrow or the next day or something, and I hit save. And then I know on that day in the morning in my email inbox, boom, there's, there's the item. And it's, and it's in there as a new email, right? So it's there, I'm looking at it, and I'm not going to delete that email until it's done. And you can also set up default notifications for um, regular events that you put like a time period for, like at 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. And for those, I have an automatic email an hour before and a notification on my phone 30 minutes before. And for reminders, the notification is just it's just a reminder on the phone, the time of the reminder. And I've created separate calendars. I've got my personal calendar. I have a family calendar, which I've connected to my wife and my kids' Google accounts. So when I'm putting in a family event, I'll set it to the family calendar, and then it's going to show up on their phone and notify them, give them a notification, you know, an hour before. So when it's movie night or we're going Halloween shopping or we've got something that we're doing together, I'm I'm showing them how to utilize this functionality on their phone right now. I've also got a birthday calendar. So when I have a new family member, somebody's born or somebody gets married or something, I can go in and I can set it as an all-day event recurring annually on this day. And it's, you know, that emails me as well, right? So today I was emailed wash Honda Civic, which is something I wanted to remind myself to do, wash my car. And I'll probably um, slip my way out of that. (laughs) I'll find an excuse. No, I really should do it. Um, And then also my father-in-law's birthday. So those were the two emails I got today. I don't have the published new website content. That's only Monday through Friday. And then I've got some other tasks I do for another job that I have. Um, And I've got different tasks every day of the week for that, including Sunday. So this, this has just been something that has been incredibly useful for me. Mostly these, I mean, mostly it's these all-day events and how they email me every morning at 6 a.m. And I like how each event, each task is its own email. So I can open the email and delete it when it's done. Boom. So now my email inbox is my task list all through Google Calendar. So if you have any questions about that, you need some help setting that up, shoot me an email thinking and doing podcast at gmail.com. And I'm happy to chat with you. We can get on a call or a, a Skype call or something, and I can demonstrate to you what it is I'm talking about. But it's incredibly useful. I've got reminders on here. 
I want to make sure that my coffee's turned on in the morning. So I have a reminder for that. I got to set, I got to get DoorDash time every day at three o'clock. So I have a reminder for that. I take my vitamins every day at three o'clock. I have a reminder for that. I want to make sure that I actually take my coffee in the evening or else I'll have a headache the next morning. And I also want to make sure that my coffee maker is set up to turn on automatically the next morning. So I, I have one for that. Um, yeah, it's uh, totally useful. Highly recommended if you're somebody who wants to keep track of recurring tasks, recurring reminders, and have them not only pop on your phone as a notification, but also have them email you so that you, you don't forget that something's happening. Either it's an annual thing or a weekly thing or a daily thing. Incredibly useful. All right. That's going to do it. Let's see. Let's review. Talked about um, how to deal with people who get angry, maybe having some patience and avoid trying to reason with them while they probably can't think clearly. Um, Trying to find some empathy and compassion for somebody who may be acting rudely. There may be an underlying issue at play there. Why it might be a good idea, might be helpful to calculate your expenses in work hours instead of in money. Might help you save some money that way. Uh, also, why a laser printer is probably more economical and much faster. I didn't. I didn't mention that it's much faster. Prints out stuff much faster than an inkjet. It's much quieter. It's not you know going back and forth um, than uh, than an inkjet. Then we looked at how useful Google Calendar can be as a task list as well as a reminder a reminder mill. <laughs> All right, that's going to do it. Thanks so much for listening. Have a better day. Please send your comments or questions to thinkinganddoingpodcast at gmail.com. Please consider supporting this podcast at everythingvoluntary.com by visiting patreon.com forward slash EVC or paypal.me forward slash everythingvoluntary. Thank you.